it feels like creators have been pushed down and just pushed down by social media platforms and tech companies and brands. And we're always getting the butt of the situation for the most part, or everybody else is making more off the work than we are. But when, but like one by one, people are waking up and saying, this is a better system in a lot of ways. The Side Hustlers Perspective podcast is fuel for your mind and creative grind. Each week, we break down the art of healthy hustling, getting out of your own way, and growing your creative business. What's going on? You're listening to episode 243 of the Side Hustlers Perspective podcast. I'm your host, Coach Scotty Russell, and my mission is to help you bet big on your creative pursuits, especially if you want to turn your side hustle into your main hustle. You can follow along with my latest art, design, and tips on mindset, motivation, and marketing on Instagram at Coach Scotty Russell and all things podcast at Side Hustlers Perspective. Quick announcement, if you're looking to shake off the 2021 rust and take control of what moves you're making throughout the new year and beyond, then don't sleep on the three-week Side Hustlers Bootcamp Quarter 1 Edition that's taking place coming Saturday, January 22nd through Friday, February 11th. And you could join the waitlist over at bootcampsidehustle.com so you can get first dibs at registering when I open enrollment Wednesday, January 12th. For less than a premium year's Netflix subscription, In this three-week group coaching workshop, you will set your big picture targets, you'll create your short-term game plan, you'll receive reference examples and templates that you can leverage so you can start taking action ASAP, you'll also join a tight-knit support system to lean on, and you'll learn directly from me with twice-a-week live calls. Again, join the waitlist over at bootcampsidehustle.com to get first dibs when enrollment opens this coming Wednesday, January 12th. I hope to see you there. Today's overview. NFTs seem to be the hit new rage these days. I'm way more experienced as a collector and am obsessively learning and studying how others navigate their launches and collections as I plan my own NFT attack. This is why I bring on talented creators to the show who have found success in this space and are way more qualified to speak on this topic. Hence me bringing back for the third time my brother, Eric F. Friedensen, a wickedly talented illustrator, muralist, NFT artist, and educator in our creative community. And I'm going to link his past two episodes in the show notes if you'd like to go back and listen to those. They're really, really good in case you want to hear more about his journey and the rise to where he is today. Eric's worked with, as well as been featured by, Apple, Hypebeast, Tops, Coca-Cola, and Adobe, just to name a few. He's also found success as an NFT artist with his collections on the Marketplace's Foundation, OpenSea, and Nifty Gateway. If you're looking to learn more about the wild world of NFTs through the lens of a hungry creative, this is it. In today's episode, we talk shop on the new wave of digital collecting and ownership, how to get people to connect with your work, tips for minting and listing your first NFT collection, continually experimenting in lanes that make you uncomfortable, finding community, PFP projects, crypto, and more. The goal is to spotlight the massive new opportunities for creatives like you and me now in the present as well as in the future horizon with actionable steps to get you started. And before we get started, could you do me a favor? It would mean the world to me if you took a screenshot or video of you working to this in the background and tagged us on Instagram stories at Side Hustlers Perspective as well as FDOT so we can connect and reshare the love back. It's because of you that this show continues to grow. So as always, keep an open mind and act on anything that inspires you today. Let's go. my man back for round three today how have you been 
I've been good, man. Thanks for having me, Scotty. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. So I'll just keep it honest and transparent with people. This is our second time doing this. The first time I had an error on my end. So thank you for working with us. And now I have construction going on in the background and you just finished up a big launch. So this actually works out better the second time. We could be more prepared for it. Yeah, yeah, a lot to talk about today. So you tuned into a good episode. <laughs> even though this is the second time recording, I think it's gonna be even better than the first. Well, so more context here. I recently, now this is coming out early January. In December, I recently gave a crypto webinar, Crypto 101. It's actually in my shop if someone wants to replay, but so many people have followed up asking for more NFT stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like questions on minting your first collection. You know, what's the best place to get started? You know, what what should I do or not do? I'm like, okay, I can't wait for Eric's episode to come on. So I can just be like, here, let me answer everyone's question all in one swoop. So uh, for those who want that crypto webinar, it's in my shop. But today you're in for a treat because you have way more experience in this realm of NFTs, being a creator, minting and launching. But I want to like backtrack, connect the dots and kind of share your experience along the way. But for those who may not know, can you give us a brief Wikipedia page summary about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a visual artist. My name is Eric Friedensen, but I go by FDOT. I'm based in Brooklyn and I do everything from hand-painted murals to animations to just visual art on canvas or paper. I've transitioned a lot from doing more commercial art into doing visual art in the last couple of years. And I could talk about that transition. And now I'm really sinking my teeth into this new creator economy. It's really exciting. And also an important thing too is we had mentioned the last one. I don't want to lose sight of it. That yes, we're talking about this like digital collector realm of NFTs and everything. You know, this digital world, the digital economy that everything's shifting to, but also not losing sight of still busy building your business, your side hustle in the traditional world for people as well. It's not like, hey, all eggs in one basket here. It's funny that you say that because last time we talked about this, I was like, yeah, I have a separate business. If everything goes wrong in NFT world or, or you know, I still have something to back myself up. Um, the more I get into this world, the more I'm leaving behind traditional methods. Uh, and I'm sort of dipping my toe in one toe at a time. And as I get further into the shallow end, I'm like trying to get closer to the deep end or the middle of the pool and leaving behind some of the things that I was doing in the traditional world of art, uh, just because they aren't serving me. And the main thing that we can talk about right here is I just, I got used to seeing my work over the last couple of years hit secondary markets and people were making profit off of reselling my work on eBay or on Facebook. And I'm mainly talking about the collectibles, the baseball cards that I've been doing. Um, but now I feel much more motivation to put my work out, uh, on the blockchain because anytime it resells, I'm getting kickback for that. And I'm, and I can actually price my work in a way that is fair. And I don't, I don't have to worry about making all of the money up front necessarily. Cause I know that there will be secondary royalties coming in. Whereas I think when you do traditional art, it's like, once it's gone, it's no longer tied to you as an artist. It's, it's just out there floating in the world and you can't really control what happens to it. So I, the more I get into this world, the more I'm, I'm realizing that what's happening and how it's going to change a lot more than just the art world and the art industry. Agreed. Yeah. It's hard not to see what's coming and want to just go on, especially like with me, with my mug releases, it's all on secondary and people are profiting off the work that I did, making more than I made when I originally put it out there. I'm like, oh, okay. But yes, this makes sense. So 
how did this journey of getting into NFT start for you? And then we'll fast forward to where you are today and then we'll drop out some tips based on your experience. Yeah. So I found out about NFTs about a year plus, like 14, maybe 14 months ago. I got introduced to the guys who were starting a platform called Foundation. And uh, their names were their names were Charles and Kayvon. And I had an email chain running with these guys for a long time, trying to figure out how I could get onto this gallery that they were starting to auction off these digital artworks. I didn't really understand it in the beginning. And it took me probably six months to really feel ready to mint something. But I was sitting there. I had an account. I could have done it earlier, but I wasn't trying to rush into it. I had a lot of other projects going on. I was just trying to understand what was happening and what the new tools were before I could really enter authentically. Um, and it was funny because people kept comparing the, the NFTs to baseball cards saying, you know, if you don't like baseball cards, no one's telling you you have to collect baseball cards. It's just some people really love them and some people love to collect them. And it was the same for the NFTs. It was their, you know, their digital contracts that are essentially have an album cover, which is the art and people are collecting them. And then the contract is what ties it back to the artist over time. And you can see the provenance of that piece as it changes hands or if it just stays in someone's gallery. Um, but people were saying they were comparing them to the baseball cards. So I said, you know, I'm, I have to do something here because I'm, I'm doing baseball cards. I have a, uh, a market of collectors now that understand the basics of collecting and I, I can now be a bridge for them and transition them into this new world as I figured it out, not only with the collectibles, but with, with art, with one of one artwork. So my first pieces were on foundation. There were collaborations with my buddy, Stefan Matiak, um, kind of entered the world together. It was something that I didn't feel hundred percent comfortable doing alone. So I found a friend of mine that wanted to do a collaboration as our first piece. And that was a, uh, an animated video artwork. I wanted to take advantage of the digital medium as much as I could. So doing stuff I can't do with physical. And that was the first piece. And then we were kind of off to the races from there. So with those first pieces, what did those get listed and minted at? Just so people can kind of build this timeline. I think it's important first to talk about like why I chose to do this piece as my first one, because it's, it's a lot about a lot more than just monetizing the art. Um, the piece was called in my head, in your head. And it was about that universal feeling of feeling stuck in your head, which is how I felt for those six months, uh, trying to understand what was happening and how it affected me and where, where I, my place was. And so we made this whole story of the drawing coming to life over those months and what it meant to us to leave things behind and, and sort of take a risk. Cause that's what this requires. If you're low risk, mentality. There are some places you can, you can mess around with technology, but a lot of this stuff requires like a strong stomach because you're going to be spending money, not sure if you're really going to get it back. Um, so it was, it was, I was in my head about how do I want to enter this world, made this piece called in my head, in your head. We did a physical release alongside it with some screen prints that were in my shop. Some of those came with free NFTs that were included. So it was a whole launch, but we listed that one of one animated version at 0.5 Ethereum, which back then was, I think, around $1,600, $1,700. And because it was my first one, and a lot of people had been telling me I should do this for a while, I think there were some people ready to bid on it. And there was a little bidding war that happened and ended up finishing at 3.75 Ethereum. So the first sale was a big one for me, you know, one of my biggest that I've had. It was, it was a big confidence booster to 
to feel like I could take this a little more seriously, but I wasn't expecting that. I, you know, I priced it at 0.5 because I knew that if someone bids 0.5 and that's all I get, then I'm, I got to be happy with that. So the second piece I did, I listed it for one and it sold for one. So you can't always expect the same behavior from, from bidders, buyers, people are, they have different tastes. So perhaps that first artwork really struck a chord with people, but who knows? Yeah. And for those who may not know, Ethereum, essentially Bitcoin is the big daddy crypto that started this all. Ethereum is the second crypto that is a blockchain base that you can build on top of like iOS with the app store with apps can be built on it, decentralized apps, or it can be used as a currency within its own network, the Ethereum network and build NFTs or the whole process of marketplace NFTs. It's just one option, the main option these days and has other competitors, but Ethereum is probably the biggest daddy with the market share in this NFT space just so people can catch back up. Yeah, it's it's a framework, really. I, I got really intimidated by the terms in the beginning, like even just the word crypto, I was intimidated by that. It feels scary, right? So I just yeah. tried to, to contextualize it of, of like, okay, there's a bunch of people out there playing with code, right? They're encrypting data to make things that we can use. Just like when credit card companies, you know, you swipe your credit card, it's a secure transaction. There's a lot of code that happens behind the scenes. There's transaction fees to make that stuff happen. So once I started to compare the crypto uh, terminology to things I was already used to, like credit cards being processed with fees, the gas and the cryptocurrency started to make a little bit more sense. And then, like you said, you can build these apps on top of it. So imagine if there, it was open source, like you could create your own version of Square or your own version of eBay people are now trying to do that on top of this blockchain tech. And NFTs is just one thing. Otherwise, there's gaming that's being built on it, decentralized finance, DeFi, so many beautiful things that are going on in this world. But it, that's not what it's about today. It's NFTs. But I think this is a good crash course to bridge that gap. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to take your crypto webinar too because I'm, I'm more experienced with the NFT side than I am with the crypto side. Um, I'm an, I'm a visual guy. What can I say? Yeah. I want to get more into learning about how it all works behind the scenes. I don't think it's necessary, but to, to jump in, you don't have to understand every single cryptocurrency. Uh, but it's, you know, it's good to have a foundation. I think I'm lacking some of that. So, yeah. And I think yeah. what I'm teaching is a great bridge to the NFT world where you'll pick up NFTs a lot quicker. So for there, after you sold your first pieces as a collaboration, how did it start scaling from there as you start to understand the space, you start to build the community, you start to find your, your, your place within this space. It's cool that you mentioned the community, because I think that's the, one of the key things that's needed to build in this space is relationships with other people. And that could be in real life relationships that could be relationships on Twitter or Instagram or, or another platform like Discord, where you can really build like a community chat room. But without the community, without people who, who are already interested or, or know each other, connect through your work, it's difficult to get into this world. So I have to say that before I started with NFTs, I had a community. I had a collector community that was doing, you know, my prints, my baseball cards, and that took years and years to develop. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's faster or slower necessarily to just jump in with NFTs, but having some kind of foundation always helps when it comes to the community. Um, so I, I knew that whatever I did after that first sale, there were some people that were looking forward to it. And how, how do you get there? Like, maybe you can speak to that a little bit, Scotty, of like, how do you start your community before you 
want to sell something to them, really, you got to think about your values, right? Like what are the things that you want to build community around? Mm. And I think in order to build your own community first, find community to be a part of, to kind of understand how things work, finding an accountability within it, connecting with like-minded people around you. That was probably the first thing before I ever built community, you and I connected it through someone else's community to understand what community actually felt like between the Sean West community and then just the conference-based community we were a part of. To me, that showed me like, wow, it is so much powerful being a part of some type of family of like-minded people who have different destinations but still the same hunger and drive. And we can support each other along the way To for me to understand like, huh, if I was to build my own community of people who were seeking the same type of knowledge or interest as me, this is what it could look like. You know, it started as a Facebook. Who knows what it's going to evolve into next for me, but it was being a part of community that helped me first. Yeah, and not everybody wants to run their their own community at large. Uh, sometimes I think about what it would be like to just put a bunch of artists together in one Discord and have it ever, a channel for each one. And there are, some, there are some out there like that already. Instead of having to run your whole community by yourself, like doing something as a group, like that's totally doable a as Dow. well. Almost. <laughs> yeah, could be. Um, I just think that, the, that that's like probably the most important element is getting around people who are like-minded, who are also willing to give of themselves and not expect anything in return because people throw around that word community all the time. But what they sometimes mean is like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Like it's very transactional and networky, but the best communities that I've found are with people and you can't always put a finger on it until you spend some time in these places um, with people who just want to give and help each other. And part of that means like, going on each other's podcast or giving each other feedback or whatever, just like giving uh, without anything in uh, expecting anything in return. So I think at the end, let's extract some type of loose action steps of what worked for you. And then we'll build it up like, Hey, at the end of this, let's here are like the top five, whatever we come up with of the best ways to get started. Cause so many people are asking uh, how to get started in the right way. Cause I see so many people are like, I'm just going to mint my first collection. I'm like, where's the demand? Where's the community? Do you even own an NFT yet? What's your knowledge of this space? So I think hearing your story and then paralleling it to some actionable steps that could work for someone based on their scenario and circumstances would be hella helpful. So after you got through that first collaboration and you come from a place where you have community and an audience built over years of grinding, you know, you and me connected back in like 2015 and we have both consistently showed up since slowly, surely through the funks, building a name, finding our style, finding our voice, going through lows while experiencing some pretty radical highlights, but it's been a grind to get to where you're at. So um, what's that next phase look like for when you went solo with your NFTs? So my next collection after those first pieces on foundation was called Open Minds. Open Minds was a sign and a, like, a marking of time for me when I finally opened my mind and understood what was possible, or at least like a fraction of what was possible in this world uh, and, and trying to bring some of my family along with me. So I called it Open Minds because I knew that the, I, had a, I had attention from a lot of people who were in the traditional art world from these last few years, traditional collecting, and they've given me so much. So I wanted to make a few series actually that bridge that gap before I just go crazy and do, you know, whatever my heart desires in terms of the art. Like I titled these pieces to, as, a, as an experience to bring people along with me, whether or not they own it, of course, is 
is dependent on how the auction went, but it, at least the story that I'm telling uh, was consistent and it was called Open Minds. There were 10 different pieces. I decided to mint them on my own contract. I used a website called cargo.build, which recently got acquired. So I'm not sure if they're gonna be doing the custom contracts there anymore. Another place that does custom contracts I know is called Manifold. You have to apply to that one. But I minted on my own contract so that I could have a little more control over where they go in the future. I recommend doing some research about that if you're interested. But then I sold them on OpenSea. So that's the largest marketplace out there with the most traffic. And I didn't get a like curated featured spot to go on some other platform. So I just put it up on OpenSea, hope for the best, 10 pieces, 10 auctions. I had them each starting uh, two auctions each day for five days. And then the, the auctions lasted for five days each as well. So I started at 0.5 Ethereum, same price as that first original piece and just let the market kind of determine it from there. I, got, I somehow got in touch on Twitter with someone who worked at OpenSea and it ended up getting featured on the homepage for a little while, which helps a lot, I think. So any exposure that you can get once the NFTs are already out there is, is great, but it's, it's hard to expect that for your first collection. So I think it was a bit of luck and timing. And then of course I put a lot of time into the art and hopefully the art spoke to people and they wanted to feature it for that reason too. They were kind of abstract line drawings that animated three frame animations, sort of shaky wobbly um, designs, but each one had a little story about how I was opening my, my own mind and experiencing this growth in uh, within, you know, storytelling we'll come back around to that too because that's going to be a key component and how did that go for you then launching every two days because you've done so far only within the first experience of collaboration and then this current or this the secondary experience all auction based for you via OpenSea and then foundation beforehand yes uh i, I for me the, the auction was used because i wanted to see what these new new audiences would think of my work before i price myself before I say, yep, it's available for this price and that's the deal. And then, the, you know, maybe there's different rarities. You could do that, but then you're sort of saying, well, you're, you have to choose your own value instead of letting the market terminate for you, which is what I wanted to try to do. It was a risk, of course, you know, it could backfire. No one could bid, it's possible, but it worked out. The first piece ended up going for 5.25. Wow. Which was my biggest sale, my biggest sale to date. And fucking a dude. Wow. Yeah, it changed my whole outlook on, you know, the rest of the year because just that one sale alone was more than I made in most of my client work this year. So it, it changes the game when you realize like what you can do with that too. And now I'm, I'm using some of that money to put into other artists. And, I, you know, I have a luxury to be able to, get, to command that for my work. I guess I didn't command it. The market kind of determined it with the auction, but I'm using this momentum to bring other people in with me and transfer that to some other artists who are a few steps behind. But that, that was just the first sale. Once the collection ended, they were averaging around like 1.2 Ethereum for each piece. And just again, the crypto goes up and down, but it's been hovering like three to 5,000 lately. Yeah, it got up to almost five. Now it just dipped under as we record under four. But me, long-term, I'm calling it here. I see Ethereum going way past 20K one day per Ethereum. So I'm a very macro bull in this space. I mean, you speak your predictions for sure. I, I have predictions sometimes. I usually keep them to myself because I don't want to mis mislead people into thinking that it's fact. I would say if you're 
not an artist or you're not into NFTs yet, like don't do it because it's a lot. It's, it's a, I'm just warning you now. It's, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. It's, you know, you, you can quit a job, but then you end up working more than 40, 40 hours a week. And yep. Crypto has been a side hustle of mine since 2017. And often it has become way more than that, especially now that NFTs and everything are crossing over. And now with coaching, I'm like, wow, somehow this all blends somehow, but it's still the art and the collecting and the side and the NFTs and the crypto is a side hustle outside the coaching and podcast. So I have to even like watch myself at times not to get too distracted. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean that super literally of like, don't do it. Like I would say if only do it, if you're ready to put in that work and it's really like pulling at your curiosity because it's not going to be just an easy way to make money as it seems in the headlines. It's something that is a new culture that's formed. And if you want to be a part of that culture, it's going to require a significant investment of time and energy and focus. Yep. It's like anything with your creative pursuits. There's a learning curve and there's a barrier to entry and there's a price to pay if you want to gain serious traction. It's not just I can show up and wing it and one day things are going to pop off by just hoping, wishing and praying. There's a lot of effort and commitment that goes into this. Yeah. And of course, your art is is first and foremost the thing that people are going to judge you by. Sometimes it's, it's about the person than it is uh, more than it is about the art. But I, I think my view of art has expanded lately. Just showing up online to me feels like art, poetry, saying things on Twitter, saying, you know, the captions that you put next to your art, it's all part of the art. The way that you enter a room, physical or digital, it feels like you have a chance to express yourself and to attract different types of people to you, depending on how you show up. So how you craft that is up to you. And it's, it's kind of, you're like left with a lot of questions of like, who do I want to be now that I can really reinvent myself and be anyone in this world? You can even be anonymous in this world and come up with a new pseudonym instead of F dot, I could do something else. And I, I mean, I've had this desire to go back to my old photography, like things that I used to do before I was drawing for a living and, and like come up with a whole new identity. It's like a photographer. It's, it's doable. No, I think the beautiful thing out of that is you can always reinvent yourself based on your curiosity, your interest. Like that's the season I am. I'm reinventing myself, connecting my artist identity back with this coaching and entrepreneurship. It's like, it's not just a dichotomy of this. If this, then this can't exist. Well, how does that feel? Because reinventing for me feels really uncomfortable. I'm just curious, it's like terrifying and super uncomfortable. This whole year has been so uncomfortable and especially Q4. Uh, I would say this whole year is in 2021 because we're just starting 2022 as this drops. But Q4 has been like, aha, all of this hurdles I've gone through in Q1, Q2, Q3, identity crisis, stressing out, overworking myself, doing too much in an unfocused direction, not doing the right things. It's all starting to like come together where I feel like I'm on to the next thing. But I had to like struggle through the shit in order to figure out what's clicking. It's been very uncomfortable this year for me. Well, if you're not a little bit uncomfortable, then you might be getting too complacent anyway. So it's, it's good to feel that. Uh, yeah. That's what it was. I was getting complacent. What always worked didn't necessarily wasn't working anymore. It's like, it's time to shake it up. How do you measure like what's working and what is keeping you going through that difficult reinvention phase? Well, social media growth was a big one. I got, all my stuff has been behind the scenes this year. And, you know, I was always the artsy fartsy art, 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 art. And then I started switching up things. Um, I don't know, decline in social media reach, decline in organic growth, decline in podcast. But 
business is growing, students are growing, money is growing, but I'm just, something was missing and it was the creative identity in me. You know, I'm like, this has been so doormat and it's all just business. There's no fun anymore. Why? I'm not excited about showing up on social media or anything. Like what's, what's going on? What's missing? It's all about business. Where's the fun? Where's the experimentation? Where's the challenge? I guess. So, and that's where I'm like retapping into that. And NFTs honestly kind of revived this fun part of me. I think it has made the internet so much more fun. Again, it just feels like people are taking more risks. It's like the pop art era is back where anything can be art and anything is art and it makes people angry. And that's like part of it. And, you know, the reaction from the public when someone does something crazy, you know, it's, it's an exciting time to be an artist and to be like leaning back into that creative itch. Yeah. I didn't realize how badly I was missing it. And this is like, okay, it's a playground again for me. Like drawing is a new side hustle again for me, which is why I'm here in the first place, but now it's the side hustle again. How do I bake this into my brand? But for you now, I would love to hear more about your approach from your latest one that you just recently dropped here in December, 2021. And then let's kind of connect the dots for people. I think it's important to touch back on the goal here uh, for why I'm making these collections in the first place. Before I tell you about that next collection that just yeah, dropped yeah, like yeah. a few days ago. Uh, attention is something that we all need in order to have a business. We need to have an attention from some kind of audience that's going to support us at the very minimum. Uh, of course, we want to give back and we want to just show up online and, and share what's on our mind and whatever. But we, you know, there needs to be a business model and there needs to be attention. Part of the way that I keep attention on my work is I don't put out too much of it for sale. I try to find this, you know, close to the sweet spot of it's not super available all the time and it's also not impossible to get. So that way, when people are interested in, in supporting my work, they know that they got to act sort of quickly to get it. And that's what keeps my business going in part. Um, that's trained behavior with some level of psychological scarcity within your audience, rewarding early movers. Yeah, I mean, I want people to come on with my artistic practice whenever they want and to feel like they made a good decision to support me at that time because the pieces that I'm putting out are, are important in this. Well, like sentimentally, they're important to this chapter of my career. Like I'm not going to be making trading cards forever, but the people who are into that, they're like, wow, like this is cool. This might not be happening forever. It's only available for this period of time. Might as well jump in and help. So I want people to feel like they got something exciting so, you know, we're, we're sort of in the business of making people feel special with our art. Like we want to make some, like it's custom. It's not just something that, I mean, there, there's an app that I was playing around with last night where you type in a few words and it spits out like a generative art piece. And that just doesn't feel special to me. It feels like it was just too easy. So I think that in this next collection, I wanted to bring more people along into the, into the fold. Cause previously I only had like 13 or 14 collectors that, that had my NFTs. So I said, I'm going to do 222 pieces. That felt like a good number, not too big, not too small. And they were tied to the trading cards. So for each of my baseball cards, last year I made like a companion card, which was like a character sort of related to that baseball card. And I printed them, sold them on my shop. But this year I want to do the same thing, take it to another level with using NFTs. So kept them pretty limited. There were 12 different characters, but if you totaled up all the additions, whether there was an addition of 20, an addition of 10, or a one of one. And they're just strictly character cards under your F.brand, not related to all the tops work that you did, just so people have some clarity. 
Yeah, they were not licensed by Tops. I didn't use any logos or or properties that I didn't own, but it was sort of a spin-off series. And I've gotten into the habit of creating these building blocks or these spin-offs from previous work because it's just fun. It's really satisfying to see like and leveraging the world that you did know and that collecting mindset that you did know and the community they built there and building that bridge to a new spin-off. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, and I wanted to make it easy for people. So I worked with a platform that accepted USD and credit cards. So they didn't need to have a crypto wallet or anything. Bridges the gap even more. Mm -hmm. And I, you know that finding the price, finding the quantity is always really hard. Someone asked me the other day, do you enjoy doing that? Do you enjoy coming up with prices and quantities? Hell no, I don't enjoy that. That's the, that's the least fun part of the process. And I want to get it out that's there. That's the business yeah. part that artists have to figure out over time. It's a business switch. I think that the more generous you are with the offerings, the more people are going to want to support you early because they know that they might be getting a good deal or they might, it might be going up in the future. Uh, that's one way to approach a collection is to get it out there to more people for a lower price. Of course, if you go too many, if, let's say I put out 2000 pieces instead of 200 pieces, they might not have sold. And then people would lose interest because they feel like there's not as much demand for that thing. So it is a bit of a game of studying your own market, your own audience, uh, what kind of budget they would have. I chose $200 to enter to get one of these NFTs. Uh, that felt like a steal compared to a lot of other pieces I've sold. So you might get a one of one from me for $200. So was there additions of each one or? So there were tw yeah, there were 12 characters. Nine of them were static. Three of them were animated. Uh, so the animated ones were additions of 10. The static ones were addition of 20. And then there was a one of one like gold variant for each one, almost like you're opening up a pack of cards, except you only get one card in this pack. You got your, your common, uncommon, your rares, your mythical, whatever like that in a true like collecting world or something. There's different levels. I didn't want to like make it too gimmicky or too layered, but I wanted to play with technology. So one of my favorite things about these pieces is that depending on what time of day you're looking at the artwork, it might look a little bit different. Like I, wor <laughs> I worked with uh, the people at Nifty Gateway to do a custom smart contract that had a day mode and a night mode for seven out of 12 of the pieces. And that was just because I had these extra colorways and I was like, this would be cool. And I heard someone else was, was playing with like time of day and the contract. So we're really getting to enjoy collectible art or merge merging of art and collectibles in a, in a totally new way. And I was so excited to introduce that to my past collectors, because they'd never had a card like that. The closest thing to that is like a lenticular thing that shows two images, right? And then another thing is I promised uh, a physical card for every single purchase. Next year, at the end of my TOPS project, I'm going to be uh, essentially whoever owns those NFTs is going to get a physical card, free shipping, free production and everything. So it was a pretty good deal, I think, that I offered for what it was. And they were pretty limited depending uh, based on the demand because 742 people entered to get one of these. And then it was a random drawing. Only 180 of them got selected. There were a bunch that I set aside for giveaways and for other things in the future. Um, so 180 out of the 740 people got selected, got their NFT. And then some of them, you know, they wanted to hold on to that because they want that physical card. Some of them wanted to trade with someone else. Some of them listed it up for sale at a, at a higher price than what uh, they paid to enter the drawing. So it was a fun thing to watch the last few days and hopefully it keeps going. And those people who bid, but didn't get anything, they received their refund. Yeah. There was just a temporary hold uh, on the, on the card and then they get refunded if they didn't win. So it's like a fair launch protocol that I've been in part of for 
other like bidding and getting a token for NFT projects in the past, some kind of similar to that. Okay. It's sort of like a lottery and basically one in every four people got one. And then if they wanted to get one really badly, they could just go to the secondary market, pay a little bit more. I think that the $200 price based on how limited they were, it's going to hold very well. Like it, if, it's, if it's something that the person wanted, it was a good price to get it at before it goes up. Cause now if you look at the listings, it's everything's much more than that and you can't get one for $200. So I hope that it stays up there and, and I'm just going to continue to make these like collections just at the right size, hopefully that there's, it maintains demand and people know that they're getting it for a good price. And if they want to participate, they can, you know, I'm not, I'm not forcing it or shoving it down anyone's throat and, and saying everyone needs to do NFTs or buy my NFTs. That's not the way it goes. It's just like, I'm trying to be generous with this offering. I probably could have made more money up front, but I knew that on the secondary royalties, there would be some more coming in and everybody kind of gets to rise with the project. What did you set at your uh, royalty percentage on that? If you don't mind me asking. That was a standard thing that I didn't even request, but it was 10% for that platform. 10%. I was going to say it was a nine, yeah. but okay. 10%. So every time this gets flipped, wherever you're listening right now, anytime someone's flipping Eric's work on a secondary market via that smart contract, he gets a 10% cut. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a new feeling because none of my other pieces have sold on secondary except for one of them, which I think was just two friends like passing it to each other. So I didn't get a royalty on that either. But it was, yeah, it's a pretty cool feeling to like wake uh, to go to sleep at night and wake up and have some secondary royalties. Like I didn't, I, I mean, I did a Skillshare class and that was my only passive income from the past. But, you know, m one month of Skillshare never really passed like $1,000 or, or anything crazy. Um, it's obviously helps pay the bills, but this is a different thing for sure. And I'm excited to keep building on this because before I would put these trading cards out and then they would end up on eBay and I got used to seeing them go for crazy prices, but I still got paid, like, depending on that primary sale, how it did it, it's, it's, a, you know, and then it's gone. So it's, it's sort of out there in the ether. And you're so early too. like, imagine what your names get to bring in the collectorship and the community you've built around it years from now. And you're just collecting mailbox money off secondary pieces from the launches you've done today like that's so powerful it's not just about that it's about what i can do with the money because after i make these physical versions of the cards there's going to be hopefully a new passion reignited for the project by people who didn't get it in the beginning and i'm hoping that there's another wave and then i can do a project that's digital only or maybe the physical is even more limited and it's special because i think in the past i made the mistake of putting out so much physical work that it's pretty easy to get and now i get to kind of rewrite the rules a part of me wants to do a larger collection. There's a whole trend around the profile pictures. And, I, and if you have a signature character, it's like kind of hard to ignore. Um, but I also want to do more fine art. So I'm not going to just commit to one idea. I'm really like trying to put my lifestyle first and base everything else around that in terms of my business. And part of that means scaling down what I'm doing in the physical world. Like I'm having less employees next year, less going on, focusing more, and then giving myself time to breathe and come up with What's that big impactful project that I can dream up for next year? I have some ideas, but really anything's possible when you get these people together who have vested interest in the project. No, I'm absolutely fascinated right now. Like I, I had been tuning in a little bit to what your project was, but hearing these other little wrinkles you've introduced, fucking fascinated, man. Like this stuff gets me so hyped and I'm like, how do I get more off my plate to just get even deeper into the weeds here. So let's, were you about to say something real quick? I just wanted to say like that the project took me two to three months to draw and 
design and animate and I had some help on it from friends for the animation. And so I didn't do it alone. It, it wasn't a quick thing. I just wanted to touch on that because it seems like it's easy money, but it's not. It's like it took two or three months of dedication and I still have a lot of work to do to produce these physical versions. So it's it's a job, but it's a really fun one oh, to have. Sure. And I and I trust it more than sometimes going to a brand, depending on the brand. You know, it feels like creators have been pushed down and just pushed down by social media platforms and tech companies and brands. And we're always getting the butt of the situation for the most part, or everybody else is making more off the work than we are. And I think that there's a shift towards, okay, we have this Stockholm syndrome of that old system. Like we're worshiping that old system still, but when, but like one by one, people are waking up and saying, this is a better system in a lot of ways. It doesn't solve every problem. It still has a lot of the inequality and a lot of the same issues as the previous art world, but it does solve the royalty thing and a lot of other issues. I think it's just more power to the creators during this season as it continues, which I'm all for. Yeah, and, and I think it's going to birth a whole new generation of creators who are going to ask themselves those tough questions earlier on. There's people under, under the age of 18 who are in the NFT world and already making a huge name for themselves. And that just makes me so hopeful. And I, I went to like a gallery show in New York that had only artists under 18. And just to see how much they were able to sell their pieces for and the quality of the work just gives me so much hope for that next generation. I love it. Let's uh, connect the dots and let's wrap it in a perspective, a lens of someone new getting into the space. They want to get into the world of NFTs. They want to uh, create mint and list their first collection but they don't necessarily have like an audience an intention to where you are today you know or like all the years i've been putting in to build that intention and audience can you kind of put yourself in their shoes of what you would do if you were new to the space without the audience what would you do kind of first building out kind of like some steps for people some loose guidelines based on your experience of what you've seen other people work uh, work for other people as well so I think the first thing is to figure out your intention. Is the intention to express yourself, to put some work out there just to make some money? Is it to bring light to a story or a cause or a particular moment in time? It could just be a gift for somebody else even. You don't have to sell your NFT, you can just gift it. It's, there are some platforms that make that really easy. So after you figure out your intention, then you can do some research on the different platforms. I think, like you said, Ethereum is the main blockchain across multiple platforms that has the most like culturally relevant projects happening and being built on there. A lot of brands are building on Ethereum, even like Adidas is building on there. And people are trying to make that one better and better, unlike a lot of the traditional art world where shipping is terrible for the environment and no one's doing anything about it. That. And I will say a con for Ethereum right now, it's so congested due to the adoption, especially in the NFT space, that gas fees, aka just fees in general, cost a lot. So it's a, a higher barrier of entry for some people who want to mint their first piece on like OpenSea and that initial cost is like three, $400. You're not even sure if you're going to sell it. So Ethereum is a big time pay to play. And then just some alternatives for other people where I need to go find more guests who are experienced is Tezos is a green blockchain in a big time artist based chain solana is an up and coming ethereum competitor with nfts that i've dabbled in Soul a decent C, amount yeah. so there and matic polygon is another one and there's going to be a lot of people coming from ethereum's lunch money until ethereum can scale into a more greener chain and 
this year, ideally in 2022. So there are other options out there for people. Yeah, there's a lot of different platforms popping up. I think it's good to look into as many of them as you have time to just to understand the differences and the nuances. Like for this one on Nifty Gateway, it was it was something where I had to talk with them in order to get on the platform. But once I was on there, everything was sold in USD and there were no gas fees. Technically, the NFTs are on the Ethereum chain, but there's like a layer two that they've built that allows for USD transactions and trading. And it's still all recorded on the chain. So people can transfer it out onto OpenSea and that's when they have to pay the gas. But within their ecosystem, there's these different ecosystems popping up where you can kind of play with your own currency that you want to play with. And like if you're on Solana, SolSea is essentially like OpenSea, but it runs on Solana. Another thing is with OpenSea, you can do lazy minting where you mint a piece. Well, technically you list a piece and then the person who buys it is the one minting it and paying the fee. It obviously helps when the cost of the item is less than the fee. And sometimes the fee can be hundreds of dollars and then it doesn't make any sense. But it's good to try out and, and experiment with these different platforms. Like I'm looking into Tezos and Solana as well for maybe minting my sketches or figuring out which styles I can use as experimental styles. And maybe those are the ones that go on the other platforms because I don't have to pay as much to, to mint. There's so much here. I love it. One more thing on the platforms. Like once you have a few platforms that you've narrowed it down, like for me, I'm on Foundation, Nifty Gateway, which are both curated, but then Open is OpenSea. I'm looking into Rarible, which is also open, and Maker's Place. SoulC is, is one of the ones on Solana, and then- That's where I sold my first one. Yep, and then Hicket Nunk and Object are the two ones on Tezos that I've been paying attention to. So once you have all those platforms, there's definitely some information about like the pros and cons of each of them. Just go check that out and try to figure out where you wanna try it out, where you wanna go first. There's nothing wrong with minting on two different platforms in the same day if, if you just wanna like get your feet wet but it obviously depends on how much time and risk you want to put into this. Some of them do cost a little bit of money. So if you don't have the demand of the community built up, like I went into this space humbling myself. I'm like, I'm not just going to go start minting pieces and ask a big amount that I would normally charge in this traditional world. I had to humble myself. And for me, I believe we talked about this in the original thing, but like I went and found and joined a part of an NFT PFP profile picture community of Grim Syndicate, where I was exposed to a massively different community of other creators who are in this NFT space, which has massively helped me get more reach, more relationships within the space, more people sharing my work when I am going to start minting and listing. But I paid a little bit to get this profile picture in Twitter to get jumped into a community, which to me gave me way quicker traction than just going in Twitter, not knowing anybody in the NFT space and trying to like promote my stuff. How much did you pay for the Grim Syndicate one? I think at the time it was two soul and soul was like 180. So 360, maybe somewhere around there. So that's like one good example where I said my piece was $200 where it still feels like it's a luxury product. You know, I don't go out and spend $200, like no big deal, uh, at a, at a store, you know, in real life. And so what are some, have you seen any projects that feel like they're even lower? You can just kind of get in for less than a hundred dollars, maybe less than $50. Um, or is it kind of, that's the bar. If you want to get in, you got to pay. I feel like, yeah, it's going to be that bar of one of these profile pictures that aren't necessarily a blue chimp, but the potential to be a blue chimp that aren't going to be a rug pull and steal everyone's money. You know, it's not just an easy, it's like a, a balance of understanding the community, the people behind. And see, I knew Justin Mazel and Raji from our creative community. So I knew there was trust there. 
And I got uh, Justin on, I think it was like episode 235, where I heard about it all. And I didn't know what to think. And then I got that profile picture because I'd been stacking Saul, you know, Solana. I got in at like $38. So to me, it wasn't like a big hit. But for other people, it is. But it's also the same thing. Like, are you really serious about this venture? Or are you going out every weekend if you're in that type of space or buying a PS5 or whatever it is? It's like there's a sacrifice and a barrier to entry for a lot of things. So I feel like I paid to become a part of a community, but I didn't even realize how beneficial this was to me. I, I To me, that would have been way better off than me just starting off hoping that I got some traction figuring out Twitter. In my opinion, that would work best for me. I think there's still a stigma right now around spending hundreds of dollars on what feels like a JPEG. Oh, absolutely. And, and so I, I would encourage you to keep pulling the thread, do your own research, look at both sides. Cause some, you know, I've read articles that are anti crypto and anti NFT to understand the stance there. And I want to understand both sides and make my own conclusion. So even if people around you think you're a little bit crazy for buying and selling what feels like JPEGs, but it's a lot more than that with the contract underneath and the community built in and some of the utility that is around these projects, some of it's just art. Right. But I'm going above and beyond for my collectors. I'm sending them physical pieces. I'm, I'm trying to bring it back into the real world. So once you kind of dig into these projects a little bit and you can make sense of some of them, that, that might be a good sign that it's a good project for you. Even if the people around you might not understand it, <laughs> you find your, your little group of people online that resonate with you and your values. Mm -hmm. Or something like Tezos may be a great place to start for people since that is the art community change of, getting involved there somehow. Maybe there's a discord of Tezos artist community or Facebook group or salt or a telegram, you know, like that could be a good route too. Tezos is, is another currency. The That's the green one you were mentioning earlier. And what is it for one Tezos right now? Like, Oh my gosh. Last I saw it was like four or five bucks for Tezos. Last yeah. I saw Solana was like 186. It's recorrected. And then Ethereum as of today was under 400, 4,000. And so I've seen artists, they'll mint some things on Ethereum for higher prices. And then they'll say, oh, I'm actually going to do a one of one on Tezos and it's 10 Tez. That's it. You know, that they'll, they'll price things differently depending on the chain, because it's almost like a restaurant. Like you, when you go to the fancy restaurant and you can expect to pay at least 20, 30, $40 for an entree versus going to some of the other restaurants, which might actually have some of the best food, right? Like the, the food trucks or <laughs> the bar food that you love, like. Uh, and you can price things differently at different places, regardless of art quality. It's just a different vibe in the, in the place. This is good. So like, I just don't want people to think Ethereum is the only place. And if you don't cut it there and you can't afford it there, that you're out of the game, you know, hopefully we're like providing more opportunities, but also what you had said before, being a part of community, building more demand attention for your work, like it, or joining someone's community. Like we talked about before that that's what worked for me. Um, but also the intention behind it, storytelling versus just going into it. I want to make a piece like every every collection you've done has had some type of story baked into it, which I think a lot of people just think they can show up and start minting. And maybe you'll get super lucky, but why not increase your odds and have someone increase your odds of your story connecting with someone, them seeing themselves in your work. So storytelling is a powerful, powerful asset and minting your first collection. Another thing is I don't think you have to reinvent your style in order to show up in this world. I think it's all about being authentic and whatever style flows out of you when you wake up in the morning and you want to make art, 
that should be the thing that you're minting, not just appealing to the trends or thinking that you have to totally reinvent your style. Like people want you to be you. And that's one of the beautiful things about this is like the more you speak your truth, you're going to find people th through the art or through words. Uh, you'll find your people more quickly if you're just honest with them. And I think I, I, I overcomplicated it in the beginning. I was in my head, right? I wanted to make everything, like everything has to be animated. Everything has to be like reinventing or 3D or crazy vaporwave. Pixel. Yeah, pixel art. Like that That was the trend, a trend. But I tried to, I felt that, uh, that discomfort in my stomach when I would be like, what should I make? What should I make? I'm, I was in my head about it. And finally, just learning to open up and, and just make stuff and then judge it later and figure out what I could put where. And maybe that platform is good for this style and this platform is good for that style or quantity or price or whatever. Just really playing with it and making mistakes along the way. And the more mistakes I make, the more, the more I'm finding the right ways to go about it. Do you feel like before minting your first collection, it would be beneficial to go mint some one-off pieces on separate platforms to see what you do like, what you don't like, understand the community behind it? I think that couldn't hurt, but again, it depends on your intention with it. Everything that goes on to the, these chains is permanent. So if you, the artist, want to make a big splash onto the scene like Beyonce with the just dropping an album, like no... <laughs> no warning at all like that's your choice you can do that and that might be part of the performance art depending on how you do it <laughs> and i guess mine's more from like understanding how these platforms work how to even mint yeah. a piece how to set up your wallet how to transfer between everything you know more experimental before like okay i'm gonna drop this and i don't even understand how the platform works youtube videos are helpful for that you know you can watch somebody minting their nft if you're not ready to do it yourself just watch someone else's screen recording and you'll kind of get the hang of the platform without having to put something onto the chain yourself. And I also like the extra value of utility, not necessarily here's access to a community or a one-on-one -on -one call or to my conference like Gary Vee does. That's the next level. But also like, I like how you can give out a print. You know, if someone purchased this one from me, they unlocked, I can drop ship them a canvas as a thank you. Yeah, whatever you want to set up. Although I will say that a lot of people in the crypto world don't want to reveal their identities or their addresses. So you might find that you wanted to give a physical thing away. I'm curious how many people actually claim the physical and want it next year. That's what Muscaton said when he was on. He's like, dude, half of the whales buying his stuff, like they don't want any of the physical stuff that he was going to send as like a, an unlock. I think that the frequency of in which you put out work and market the work is important. I don't want to be selling, selling, selling every single day because then people get tired of that. It's better to show up and give and contribute and reshare and be a part of that community. And then when it's time for you to sell, you can sell but it's, it shouldn't be an all the time thing. And everyone's got to find their own balance with it, with the, with the supply and demand of it. And then also with just the marketing, I think that there's going to be more and more agencies popping up that work with artists as like representing them. Cause a lot of the best artists are not good at marketing. They don't want to be, be on Twitter all day, every day, like, or discord. So I think there's different solutions coming up, but I'm very weary of them because they're similar to the traditional art models of galleries and the middleman. And so the artists who have great work and they can be their personality online and bring people together around something, those are the ones who are gonna thrive the most if they can do a lot of this stuff on their own or find like a few tight-knit partners. I've seen this model work really well where someone will do a collection and then they'll give um, like a marketer, promoter person like a cut of every single sale primary and secondary so they'll get like 10 to 20 percent of the whole collection and that incentivizes them to go out there and market it for the artists so if you have somebody in your family that 
is interested in going into the world with you, it's not a bad idea to like figure out who you trust and then just take them all the way with you. I wish we had more time, but this gives me an idea for future things that we can talk about is how to market your NFT, like build a campaign around your own launch or your collection. To me, that's like an awesome next phase to go to. But since we're short on time, if we could tell people where to find you online, where to support you and what to expect next in 2022. Yeah. The, the last tip I wanted to share is a lot of my friends are coming over, finally making Twitter accounts from Instagram. And now Twitter feels like the new URL for me where I'm posting most of my work on Twitter. I just wanted to give one tip is post the art, post a little caption, or, or it could be simple as emojis, or it could be a small caption about what you want people to feel like enhance the art with a small caption, just like you would on Instagram. Don't put the link to the sale right there. Every time it's too much, it's too much shilling. So post the art, make it about the art, give that gift to the world. And then underneath that, you can follow that up with another post that has the link to buy. And so you're not spamming, spamming your buy like a subtweet to it. Exactly. So that's my, that's one of the ways I just want to see more of that online instead of whenever I post something, people just like shill in the, <laughs> in just the comments. Buy, 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 yeah. There's an art to storytelling, bringing people along for the ride and then giving your ask. Exactly. So where can people find me online? Um, on Twitter at F dot studio. That's E F D O T studio. That's also my website, f.studio.com. Um, if you're interested in how I'm running my Discord or my collecting community, you can, you can join in. I have a lot of fun plans coming along for next year. There's a drawing contest happening right now. I'm going to be doing more of those. So I want to involve other artists in my community. You can find that through my Twitter. And then on Instagram, I'm at f.efdot. And thank you, Scotty. Um, in terms of what's coming up next, I'm going to be bridging more into the skateboarding art realm, like bringing that passion back into my art. I think that the baseball cards project is coming to an end soon. I'm excited to make some stuff for that community and maybe incentivize some creativity and skateboarding next year with one of these projects. <laughs> Man, it's been so exciting to see you own this space and evolve and experiment within it. Like it's, it's been a trip and I really, really enjoy seeing where this takes you. And I'm getting hella inspired to see where this can take me as my artist self as, as well, you know, as I, reinvent and reconnect with that artist identity so thank you for the inspiration and the fuel man yeah thank you dude thank you so much for having me on the show again hopefully this time it worked i hope you enjoyed this and, conversation with uh, f dot we'll do what you do best if you found value right, in what he had to say today go blow him up on instagram on twitter wherever and share with him your biggest takeaway and eric specifically requested if you have any questions or want to connect to dm him on instagram or within his discord group just go ahead and do it. He would love to connect with you and he's making himself available to answer whatever questions you have. And you can find the full episode information containing all links and references within the show notes within your current podcast listening app. Again, episode 243. And as I sign off, I want to give a huge shout out to the podcast team. Anya, Paige, Hannah, we got Jared on the squad now and Bluka for making this show possible. And as you finish off your week strong, I want to continue to encourage you to keep showing up, keep putting in the work and keep creating. You got this.